He recently filled in as the host of the Rich Eisen Show. He did an awesome job. I checked that out. So he was great filling in for Rich while he was at the Olympics. And he is a broadcaster, producer, writer. We welcome back Ben Lyons onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Ben? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, the check cleared that I sent you. <laughs> kind intro. So uh, now I appreciate you guys having me. What's going on? Nothing much. And I think since the last year we taught, um, you know, a lot of things have changed this in the overall sports landscape. Basketball. Yeah, the Knicks are good. The Knicks aren't That's a joke. True. Change. We're in a different space time continuum. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So <laughs> since you brought it up, let's talk about the Knicks. What do you think in terms of, you know, them going from like the, the kind of the doghouse to a little bit of the not quite the penthouse, but working their way there? Um, cool. What are your kind of your ex- expectations for this season for them? Oh, uh, expectations, uh, of course, are, are still rather tempered because I am a Nick fan. And despite having a, an above average season, I'm still haunted by the ghosts of Andre Bargnani and Travis <laughs> Ware and Lou Amundsen. And just saw Ron Baker retired once a Nick, always a Nick. But uh, I think it's just a reminder just for the NBA at large that if you play with some effort and you play defense, you can be in ball games and you can be competitive. And they're doing something, guys, jokes aside, that they've never done in my adult lifetime. They're ha- they're having some player development. The last player the Knicks drafted and then re-signed was Charlie Ward. Oh so to goodness. see Obi Toppin <laughs> and Emmanuel quickly play in the summer league and get better, to see RJ get better, to see Julius Randle get better from year one to two, like that's new to us. So I want to see more player development. And if the guys can just continue to put on professional basketball – I'll be very happy. Those are my expectations. So with Tom Thibodeau, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bulls fan, so I have a little bit of experience. Oh, so, the put a banner up. Let's go. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just I'm just wondering in terms of, for instance, Julius Randle, how is he going to hold up this season? I mean, it was kind of like a dream season for him, and then he kind of fell off in the playoffs a little bit. I mean, do you expect the same level of performance this season, or do you think um, there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off? Like, what do you expect from him? Now, see how much help he gets on the scoring side of things from Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. So much of the scoring load was on Julius last year, not only just for points in terms of numbers, but just how – he earned his points. So with guys like Kimber Walker creating, Fournier spacing, maybe it'll open things up for him. He's a father. He's in the gym. He's 26 on the right side of, of his prime. And and uh, he gave the team a little bit of a hometown discount because that player playoff performance that you think might motivate him. But uh, seems like a good dude by all accounts. Fat Joe calls him king of New York. So all in on Julius Randle. It's been fascinating, you know, watching at the same time the rise of the Brooklyn Nets, of course. How has that dynamic been in New York? What's your perception of that as a Knicks fan with kind of Brooklyn, of course, rising, raising their prestige and profile? What has that been like? I I mean, I think we got some indications on how New York feels, I think, to an extent with the Knicks getting into the playoffs where they did with them outperforming expectations. But what what have you kind of seen, uh, you know, on Twitter and in New York, et cetera, on this kind of Nets Knicks? Maybe it's a rivalry. Maybe it's it's uh, in my head here, made up. Um, what are your thoughts on that that kind of dynamic? I mean, for me, I got to be honest. Going to the Barclays, it feels like a nightclub with the lights turned on. Honestly, and what I haven't liked about the experience of going to Nets games in Brooklyn until recently 
They never acknowledged the fact that the organization existed in New Jersey for years. Can we get a Kerry Kittle sock night where everybody just gets one sock? Save a lot of money in the promotion. Can you get them? <laughs> I love it. Nights to acknowledge what happened with Ju- you know Julius Irving and some of the legends that played for the Nets back in the day. It's always, where's Brooklyn at? Brooklyn in the house, Jay-Z. Like, I get it. But now they're starting to pay homage with the throwback jerseys and you know, Kenny Anderson and getting guys like Derek Coleman out and stuff to the games. But I don't know, man. I feel like the Knicks have been so bad that they don't have a right to claim anything right now. I mean, it's the world's most famous. I still believe they're the city's team, but it's kind of tough to sit here and be like, yeah, well, you know, that time where they developed uh, Frank uh, Aquina to not sign him. That's our guy. Or you know how they drafted a guy wearing a Fortnite jacket, Kevin Knox, like that's the Knicks. So, They arrested Charles Oakley. They kicked out Spike Lee. It's still $150 to sit in the upper deck. Like it's, it's, you know, $18 for a John George chicken sandwich. There's a lot wrong with the garden still, but the Knicks are always going to be the city's team. And I hope we see more than seven games of Kyrie, James Harden and Kevin Durant in this upcoming year. That'd be nice. All I know is that RJ Barrett played every single game last year. So. Amen to that. Amen to that. That's something. Phenomenal dentist. I don't know who's doing RJ's teeth, but that kid's (laughs) smile is. (laughs) Um, Ben, I want to shift gears and I wanted to talk to you about this Ben Simmons situation. Some late breaking news broke today, just about him wanting out of Philly. And just, it seems like there's two camps. It seems like there's people really believing that this guy has tons of potential still. And then just through myself interviewing just other journalists that are more knowledgeable, that have, you know, more experience discovering the league as a whole, this multiple journalists saying this guy does not have, you know, what it takes to be a superstar player. I just want to get your opinion on where do you think he'll land number one and number two, how should we really judge Ben Simmons as just an athlete? Because this seems to be like a huge disconnect in terms of him either being a superstar or him just being like a mediocre player or just a defensive stopper. It's just such a bizarre narrative on an NBA superstar that I haven't really seen before. Well, I've never seen a grown man with a nice out kangaroo as well at the press conference. So that's <laughs> ben Simmons has that. I think it says a lot about him that he didn't want to be part of the Olympic experience when he had an opportunity with Australia a lot of men and women um you know really take that to heart and i understand it was a pandemic so the idea of oh i don't want to travel i want to say well then he's over at wimbledon pounding around with you know whomever watching the tennis so it's not about that and it's disappointing and you hope he gets an opportunity to you know silence a lot of the critics if i'm a professional athlete and i went through that experience in philadelphia i understand how a change of scenery might rejuvenate me whether that's in minnesota or golden state or portland or wherever he ends up uh, it's definitely time for, for a new thing. And, and look, guys, as you get older, you realize some guys win the game of life. Yeah. like, And that's what they're playing for. And we can all be on our podcasts and blogs and Twitter saying, oh, these guys have to win a championship, and he doesn't want to be in the Carmelone Charles Barkley Club. Like Ben Simmons is paid, having a great time, great life. If he doesn't really care about who wins these Larry O'Briens, it's not for us to – you know, really lose sleep over. We can just focus on the next guys who really buy in. And you saw it with Giannis, man. You saw the way Giannis won it and was there eight years and sat on that throne and had that exhale. And you think about everything he's been through and his ups and downs of his life, bigger than basketball. Those are the guys you want to focus on. So if Simmons is not going to take an opportunity to, 
you know, step up in this moment. And it's like, there's so many other great storylines in the NBA that we can talk about. There are certainly. And um, another storyline that kind of is a little bit under the radar, it kind of gotten some attention was with Major League Baseball when they had their um, Field of Dreams um, game. It, was, it looked spectacular. I mean, yeah. I'm a very, very casual baseball fan. And I just got swept up into the moment. And I couldn't help but thinking, could the NBA do something equivalent? Um, yeah, a lot of the ideas passed around was kind of the Hoosiers idea. Um, is there anything else do you think that the league could do to kind of, you know, mimic what Major League Baseball did. And also too tie it into, you know, they've had ideas of a play in tournament. This could be a great way of like a marketing tool. You know, you tie in this nostalgia, you put it in the marketing, this play in tournament, you combine it and you could get that fan interest that the NBA has been wanting. Um, where do you think the, the league should go um, if they could follow in Major League Baseball's footsteps? Well, I think they should take advantage of their all-star game to have an all-star game out of Venice Beach or a big build yeah. out at the Rucker or sure. Hoops and Sun or in Chicago. One of these places would be super cool. Um, I love the Drew League. I love the idea of, uh, you know, uh, taking the game to places it hasn't been, build a court outside of the Eiffel Tower in Paris or do something like that. I think it's, uh, you know, it's cool. In the past, the NBA has done stuff like that where they played their all-star game in Texas Stadium. It was kind of outdoors in the football stadium. And college basketball we saw once on an aircraft carrier with Michigan State and North Carolina. Um, but... You know, I think what Major League Baseball was able to do was to get people to care about a regular season game, not an all-star game, not an exhibition game, but just a Tuesday night in July, White Sox and Yankees, which if it wasn't out in the corn, would not have pulled the number. Obviously, it did on Fox. It had been the moment across social. So that's kind of the dirty secret with the NBA sometimes is, you know, if Kawhi's out for the Clippers and they're taking on the Sacramento Kings and you know, De'Aaron Fox is out. You're watching some, some Terrence Mann versus Marvin Bagley. It's not necessarily the most compelling product. So if like hockey, which does a great job putting on games that count in the football stadiums and baseball stadiums and Lake Placid, I'd love to see the NBA do it in a way where the players are still safe. They're not playing on the blacktop. They're playing on wood, but they build out a court. And I think they totally should do it. It'd be great. What's your sense of along these lines, the urgency that the NBA has or doesn't have to make moves like this? I mean, in the past, certainly the NBA has been very progressive with trying new things. I mean, we've seen even things like that Justin and I personally didn't like, like the team slam dunk competitions and stuff like that. But I appreciate the effort and and the experimentation, certainly. how Do you think there's a sense of desperation with maybe like finals ratings being down a little bit, things like that to generate interest in the regular season. Honestly, when it comes to sports metrics and television, I love talking about this stuff because I just think the playing field is totally different. Now, if we look at the old Nielsen model, sure. They're not going to pull the rating on TV, but guarantee you there are a thousand more times, more memes of Giannis dunking on that alley-oop than there were of LeBron's block five years before, you know, totally. and the engagement and, all the, uh, you know, the the conversation across podcasts like this and shows like this and, you know, shows like Rich Eisen and everywhere. Just people are talking. It's the zeitgeist. MTV, uh, and the NBA is the new MTV. I think they continue to focus on growing the women's game. The WNBA, WNBA is popping and the more men can, can be a part of it and lean in. I think it'll help all, you know, basketball leagues. And continuing to grow the game globally. They're going to have a really interesting next five-year run here in the NBA 
where you've got Luka, Giannis, Jokic, you know, you've got these great international stars. How are they going to be able to drive the storylines to engage fans domestically here? Um, but with the player mobility, there's always interest. I mentioned you mentioned you're in Chicago. Got me all fired up. You got DeRozan now, Vucevic. You know, if sometimes you put on an NBA game from like three years ago, it looks like you're watching a glitch in the Matrix. Uh, it's crazy how fast the turnover is. So that will always drive some interest. But those rivalries of Knicks Pacers and Pistons Bulls and Sixers Celtics, those are kind of done right now as long as these guys are always switching teams. It's not that they're buddy-buddy. It's just that they switch teams every year. Um, you brought up like the the changing landscape of sports media. And to that point, I kind of want to get your opinion on the – the whole uh, ESPN situation with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor, and not necessarily what you think of that entire conflict, but why do you think it blew up to such a massive story? I mean, it, was, it left the national news, right? Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It seemed like a sports media story. And especially we're in a pandemic and there's a lot of other like crisis going on. I mean, there's smoke outside my house in terms of I can barely see the mountains. So there's other serious stuff to discuss besides personnel changes at ESPN. Um, so it's just such a bizarre thing. Do you have, in your opinion, do you have any idea why it blew up to such a massive story? Now, I'll tell you firsthand why it blew up from my experiences. The media companies I've had the privilege of working at over the years, there's been a department specifically dedicated to nurturing and supporting on-air talent as you navigate these through, you know, through these huge media companies. When I was at the E Channel, it's very fortunate. There's a woman named Jen Danska there and a guy named Barry Nugent really took me under my wing when I already had the job of just Here's how we use you. Here's how you can grow. Here's how you can take on new challenges. Here's how you can not get overworked. You know, it's a blurry line sometimes with talent of how much they want to work, how much power they have, can get away with stuff or get be supported or overworked. Same thing at Turner, an incredible team at Turner that really supports talent and puts them in the best position to win, make sure they're comfortable and can do their thing. ESPN doesn't have that. They kind of just have you figure it out as you go along. And you just, that's why you see talent running all over the place there. That's why you see a lot of their top talent leave Dan Levitard, Jamel Hill, Carrie Champion, Colin Cowherd, now Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor. Like the list goes on of ESPN, Salema Masakela, my dear friend and mentor. Like there's so many super talented people that for whatever reason can't find their footing there. And they just move on and get somebody cheaper. So it's 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 um, it's a great stepping stone and opportunity, and it's a great access to the world of sports. And it's also not for everyone. And I think that kind of works itself out over time. You know, Rachel had left. Don't forget over the years, Beetle yeah. left, came back. You know, so I just don't think they have that department underneath the hood that can really support talent to do the best of their abilities. Do you think that they'll suffer the consequences of that eventually? Or do you think as long as they have the sports rights of every professional league, it doesn't matter? As long as they have the game rights and they yeah. get the NBA and it's a buzzer beater and they go right to yeah. SVP and he's there exactly. live on the court with RJ Barrett and that million dollar smile and he's just <laughs> a winner in the garden over Zion, who then realizes, man, maybe I should come to the garden. You know, we've got the Zion sweatshirt here today because we're 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 like seeding it into like an inception style, <laughs> putting it out there into the world that this man is going to come. If you were the New York Knicks and you sat down with Zion Williamson, would you say to them this? You'd say, "Hey, would you like to be the biggest athlete who's ever walked the face of Earth? Because you could do that if you come to New York and win a championship." That's a pretty good sales pitch. Right. <laughs> so if Zion comes to New York and ESPN's got their South Street Seaport Studios all set up. 
then yeah, it's go time. That'll definitely increase their rating. Oh my gosh, Stephen A. Smith would live in Madison Square Garden. I don't think he would ever leave if Zion <laughs> played for the next. the Academy Awards with Stephen A. Smith is one of the weirdest things I've ever got to do in my entire life. Here, <laughs> Parasite, and uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite. They were inside the house. They were outside. The house. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, honest, I thought Quentin Tarantino was wrong. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio. What more? <laughs> what? what? You're talking about film? What's happening? <laughs> I, I have to ask what What was that like? Is Is he on all the time like that? I mean, is, is that no, no? The energy in the in the pre production meeting the night before, very low key, very laid back, very chill, and then yeah, the lights go on and it's go time. But he really like enjoyed just the the live sporting event feel of the Oscars. It was like my 15th Oscars. So it's super weird being very comfortable in an uncomfortable place. And it was his first time. So you know what to expect and to, to, to treat it like it's a live sporting event and you're doing post-game analysis after, you know, an NBA finals. That's kind of the way he approached it. Um, and, uh, it was definitely one of those moments that I will put in my back pocket and hopefully tell the grandkids when I'm 95 one day. Awesome. I, I have to ask while we're kind of, um, you know, hashing it out about some sports media topics, what, what is that process like when you are filling in on a show like the Rich Eisen show? Uh, what, what is your mindset in terms of preparation? I mean, obviously you're very experienced host and professional, great at what you do. Um, I mean, what, what is that process like? Cause you know, it, you don't want to be like substitute teacher, right. For, for this <laughs> show. I mean, I assume obviously you're trying to make great content of course, but uh, just kind of take us through your, your thought process when you're getting ready to fill in for something like that. Well, it starts with rich, rich reached out and said, Hey man, I appreciate you doing this. Go make it your own, have fun, sit in the chair, put your own sauce on it. Uh, if you need me, I'm here. There's a whole team there. When I was doing it just on radio, it's a heavy lift. Uh, you're in there by yourself trying to trying to create compelling content over a few hours and booking guests and you know, finding the topics in the sports universe that you care about. And, and what I love about that show is that it's not so glued to hard news and breaking news and X's and O's. You can tell stories and you can find pockets that are relatable to the human experience. So try to find that within the landscape. You know, when Russell Westbrook signed, I've been a big Russell Westbrook hater, the basketball player, shooting 29% from three on 500 attempts is just absurd. But I, I used an opportunity on the Eisen Show just to talk game of life. Kid from you know Long Beach whose best friend died and they had dreams of going to UCLA. He finally does, and then he comes back home to Los Angeles where he's building a school and chance to win a title. I got the amazing game of life stuff. I think Rich, because of, again, it starts with him, He's been around. He's a family guy. He's seen ups and downs. You can kind of tap into some of that stuff. Um, and you just got to be yourself at the end of the day, bro. Like I remember early on, someone told me, like, if you have to do three hours of NASCAR, don't pretend like you grew up watching Richard Petty. And you <laughs> just be like, right. yeah, I don't know what this is. Uh, what? I covered the movie Cars once in North Carolina Speedway, and that's about it. You know, you just got to lean into the fact you don't know it and then learn with the audience and find ways to – just authentically be yourself. So it was a great time in the sports calendar, which helped the NBA finals, the Olympics, training camps open, NBA, uh, you know, MLB all-star, WNBA going. So there's there's a lot to get into. But uh, but yeah, Rich Eisen is one of the nicest people I've ever met just outside of this 
hustle and to have that support it really honestly starts with that awesome ben i got a question for you um you were, did you check out the kevin durant draymond green um interview yeah that, yeah that sat down what it was like, it was like when they used to send me at the e-channel <laughs> to go interview gwyneth paltrow and ask her about <laughs> her workout <laughs> what, what did you first make of the interview and do you think it could be kind of like a, a dangerous trend in terms of like the athletes kind of controlling their own narrative um just listening to kind of other podcasts dissect that interview it, it seems like they're kind of skewing the truth to fit their own narrative but at the same time they were there they experienced it so it's it's kind of like two sides of the of the coin so to me just listening to the interview itself and then kind of listening to reporters actually covered that situation. It was a very, I don't know. I was a little bit confused. What did you make of that interview? One, I was frustrated because Draymond Green, when he retires, is going to take all our jobs. <laughs> He's laying the groundwork for a media career at Turner that's coming in the next three to five, potentially. Um, but, you know, I think the cat's out of the bag when it comes to athletes trying to control the narrative and whether they do it through a filtered platform like the Players' Tribune, whether they do it on their own IG Live, whether they do it in partnership with the other player and the Bleacher Report or whatever, you know, controlling the narrative and the legacy. I think that's a big thing, too, is is legacy writing in sports when you're talking about the icons like Durant and, you know, Hall of Famer like Draymond and stuff. It's it's not only about controlling the narrative and the zeitgeist at the moment, but I saw with Jeter working at the Tribune, you know, the way you, you, you tell the legacy and you sell that legacy the year after you retire for the next 20 years. You know, look at Dwayne Wade, how he's jumped into his next part of his career. And the, even Shaq and Kobe, before Kobe passed, they had that sit down, you know, that really kind of helped them put into perspective what they went through. So, you know, I, I think it's cool. I think, like I said, Draymond's going to take all our jobs. I genuinely mean that. Um, and... Durant is one of the more, you know, interesting and fascinating players when it comes to his relationship with criticism, with the media, with telling his narrative, his story, but not a basketball court on earth that dude hasn't touched the ultimate Hooper, you know, from the Rucker to the Olympics, to the finals, to Dykeman. He's just the ultimate Hooper to my, in my eyes. And yeah, it felt a little e-news, felt a little TMZ. They're getting a little like, you know, hitting you with the headlines and stuff, but uh, I'd rather that than Jim Gray making some dude super uncomfortable, you know? So I think we're going to see a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. How, when consuming content like that, I mean, to, to what degree do you kind of take that with a grain of salt or do you, or are there sources you go to that you kind of cross reference things that they're saying? What, what's your process in consuming like this, this more, player-driven landscape that we're in right now man i'm a basketball fan where i want to see these dudes doing everything read read about them doing everything matt sullivan's book about the nets i want to see draymond talking to kd i want to see kendrick parkins go shark diving off the coast of la jolla i don't know if you guys have ever watched boris diao sail across the atlantic you can watch it on his youtube page it's fantastic <laughs> Like NBA players, WNBA players as civilians, as real people. We see Brianna Stewart up in Whole Foods trying to, you know, find new uh, baby formula, like all in. Like I'm, I think the, the more access we get to these men and women who entertain us on the court, the, the more we're connected to them as fans. 
Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm good buddies with Langston Galloway. who was on the Suns, um, once a Nick, always a Nick. And to, to have access to him during the NBA finals and talk to him and see photos and texts and he even step on the court during the actual games, but he was part of it and just seeing his fashion and he launched a shoe line during it and how his wife was at the games. It was so cool. And the game of life stuff undrafted. And now he's in the part of the finals. Like that's the stuff you kind of like look for and try to find and not just the, coach talk or the scrum with a million mics in front of somebody. I just want to find, like you said, like when you're looking for research or consuming content, that's stuff that just feels a little different and special. And back to that KD Draymond thing, that's different than like your average, you know, Rachel Nichols sits down with Durant type of thing. Um, on that point, um, where do you see what's kind of the next trend do you think is happening, not just in the NBA, but in the world of basketball right now, the big threes trying to find its footing um, right now. I've seen a couple uh, lots of like different YouTube channels, um, such as boss life is blown up with like kind of the street ball scene um, NBA top shots really gain popularity this year. What's catching your eye within kind of the basketball world that like the main consumer of just the NBA is not really seeing. It's the W, man. A w, I've said it a bunch throughout this conversation. I'm all in on the WNBA. I wish the Sparks could play all their games at Staples because they're like ridiculous at home, but they struggle uh, struggle on the road. I think the, uh, the there's so many stars. I think the coverage is better, the merch. And there are a lot of household names. Diana, Sue, Skylar, Brianna, Lena, you know, the list goes Sabrina. The list goes on. And uh, I, I Candace, and it's just so cool to watch them shine. And I hope people can go to a game. I hope people can watch the playoffs, get into it. I think you're Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage. I mean, they're you know, let's get Cambage in a Fast and Furious movie. Like, let's you know, with the work Elena Deladon does um, on every issue is just awesome. And th- these athletes as storytellers, as um, spokeswomen for, for, you know, products, you're seeing Chanae in, in commercials for DoorDash, NECA's out there for pay equity. Like, they're just, they're just dope. Like, I'm just all in on the W. So everybody, you know, who's, who's got that, you know, that basketball itch right now as the summer's coming to an end, like, let's get into the WNBA playoffs because it's going to be, it's going to be really fun this year with the storm and, and Vegas out out west and what Connecticut's done east in the east. So I, I love it. I'm, I think that's going to hopefully continue to grow in the next few years. Ben, one thing I, I really appreciate about your perspective is is you have a unique way of putting a positive spin on a lot of situations and, and kind of saying, <laughs> like seeing the positive in things. Yeah, you have it's, no idea, buddy, how much I'm putting <laughs> a positive spin on, on things in my life right now. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, one of the stereotypical things that we always hear, and I'm going to ask you the opposite side of this, is, you know, that social media is draining on these athletes. Social media is, is draining on us. And yes, there there are some negatives that, that we all know about and, and can acknowledge. But what are some of the things that you've seen with like maybe the athletes specifically, maybe other people in, in media um, that you really enjoy and maybe don't get talked about enough in terms of interactions that you see on social media, you know, getting away from the obvious trolls and things like that. Yeah. What, what's some of the, the light that you see on, on Twitter and other places? Great, great question, man. You're absolutely right. It's easy to go down the rabbit hole and, and feel uh, anxious or depressed or frustrated or, or waste a lot of time. But 
when we saw the women in the NCAA tournament last spring, you know, show the resources that they were given to train and to practice in their bubble, as opposed to that of the men, they were able to use social media to show and to bring fans behind the curtain and say, Hey, this isn't right. And then that got changed. And then that, not going to happen again so i thought that was a tremendous moment of holding the system accountable and holding institutions accountable i love that i love seeing the image of young black fathers you know this is a it's in, you know representation in in media can create aspiration and inspiration and to see you know these these uh men you know sh showcase their kids and their families and have them feel a real part of their journeys i think is tremendously uh inspiring and important and you see that across social with chris paul and, and steph and lebron and these guys it's not by accident that the guys who i think are crushing in the nba right now for the most part they got families they got kids they got stuff going on off the court and if you can showcase those interests and use social media to you know, uh, project the, some type of, you know, uh, uh, insight into your life. That's one of stability and, and worldliness and curiosity. I think those are things to celebrate on social as opposed to like, you know, maybe the MTV cribs generation of, uh, of past <laughs> that wanted to show us all the shoes and the cars and everything else. So I think when you see these, these men and women just being engaged citizens in the world, passionate about what's happening in their community, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it is um, somewhat of a, a little bit of a paradigm shift in terms of how specifically the NBA is very relatable, WNBA and the NBA. I think just basketball culture overall compared to yeah. other sports, and this makes it more of a personal connection when you actually see them on, on the court. So I, I totally agree. I look, the social media stuff's fun. I love Hoodie Mello. I love right. Mello, like, <laughs> I love his Monday uh, Q&As on what's in your glass, his weekly <laughs> wine newsletter and show, like all in on that stuff for sure. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that you, like you're seeing guys build schools. I was just out in Detroit with Jalen Rose for the yeah. Jalen Rose Leadership Academy and to, to, to see how they're able to use social media to get support from people from around the world to build this school in Detroit is, is tremendous. And I think also then connects fans to the game and to the teams that in a much more impactful way. I love sitting and watching with my wife and being like, Oh yeah, see that guy he's taking on the president of Turkey or see that guy. He just raised a thousand you know, dollars for meals of this for every three pointer he hits. Like I love that kind of stuff. And I think you're seeing more of that in the game too. Well, Ben, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Uh, please sure. let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media and then anything else you're working on this year as well. I appreciate it, man. You know, voting interest is often cyclical. Everybody gets hyped up for the general election, but yeah. doing a lot of work with Rock the Vote. Pay attention to your local elections. Pay attention to what your favorite WNBA and NBA players are doing in your community when it comes to voting. Rockthevote.org is is the spot where you can make sure you're just registered and always check up on your status because they'll they'll try and do everything in the book to get you rezoned or redistrict or make it so you don't you don't have the right stuff. So that that's important to me and using basketball as a way to, to inspire people to go out there and vote. But I can't thank you guys for rescheduling. I'm sorry about the Hollywood nonsense last week. Yeah. I honestly, I did some other podcasts. I thought it was this show, but this show came through with the research and the great hoop talk. And uh, you guys keep doing your thing, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you, Ben. Thank you very much for coming on. And I'm not even joking. Find me RJ Barrett's dentist. I'm getting a little <laughs> older. I drink wine, coffee. I could use a whitening. 
RJ Barrett has phenomenal teeth, and I don't know who's doing his teeth on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Got to find out. Put out an SOS for his dentist ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys be well, all right? Enjoy the all season. Right. Talk soon. You too. Thanks, Thank ben. you.